On today's episode of Heads in the Cloud, Frederick and I are joined by Gordon Smith. We're going to talk all things IT, hardware, fish sticks. Mm-hmm. Interesting episode. I'm hungry. Stay tuned. Heads in the Cloud with your host, David Portnowitz, Graham Potter, and John Roth. All right, welcome to today's episode of Heads in the Cloud. I'm David Portnowitz. And I'm Frederick Weiss. And we have a special episode for you today. Yeah, it is a special. I feel special. Yes, Frederick, our, our esteemed producer, has stepped in at the mic today. I did. Here but, I am. But don't, don't be alarmed. Frederick hosts his own podcast, so he's well adept. I don't have to train him or anything. He's, <laughs> he's uh, in fact, he'll probably be training me. Uh, maybe, maybe. Yes. yes, I've been doing this for quite a many moon. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but okay. Uh, today, we're going to be joined by Gordon Smith, who is the president and CEO at Sagent. And yes. uh, looking forward to that conversation. Sagent is an interesting company, um, some, someone or, 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 or something. I don't know how you describe a company. A company that's uh, entity. an entity that is really focused on the you know recycling and the reuse and uh, doing the right thing. Well, I but also, say. but also, I think there's a little bit of money involved. Um, also, they're in the resale market, right? So, correct. Hardware comes in, they're fixing it, and they're either getting it back to the manufacturer to get back out on the street, sell it, reuse it, recycle it, whatever the case is. To me, it's a fascinating proposition because you know they work with so many different types of hardware. How do you have the skill sets to sort of work with all of them? I mean, there seems like an infinite possibility of things you have to be able to diagnose. Oh, absolutely. Um, and if it's not your product, like it just seems like you'd be on a on a wild fish hunt. Or I don't know, fish hunt's not the right word. Sure, yeah. wild fish hunt, sure. <laughs> Depends on what kind of fish. And they also have millions of dollars of product sitting in their uh, facility ready to ship out the next day. Yeah. It's 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 amazing what they're capable of doing. Also, it seems like they have an Amazon store as well. So, like, I feel like they, you know, like the stuff that nobody like that that they can't get rid of or whatever they sell or try to sell on Amazon. <laughs> sure. Oh, like affiliated link or something. Yeah. Like that? Well, no, 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 no. Like you know, oh. like they repair it and you know maybe oh, yeah. it's like it's uh you know stuff that like is maybe not being used anymore, out of circulation, whatever the case. That's is. That's right. Like, a lot of or uh, just a manufacturer can't can't reuse. Yes, a lot a lot of opportunities for green technology. Refurb. Yeah, refurb. Sure, that's yeah. a great way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. So no, very, very cool. So, uh, Fred, uh, mm. how do you feel about being on today's podcast? Are you feeling good? Uh, yes, I'm very excited. Was, uh, thank you so much for letting me join today. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, you're not John. No, I'm certainly not John. I'm no replacement for John. <laughs> uh, you know, so we'll have to and figure or Graham. out what kind of sandwich question you may or may not ask. No, I don't think we're going to go down that road. I, I think I'll reserve the sandwich questions just for John. I think that's his special special thing that he does. No, so, uh, yeah, so... Yeah. I'll, I'll come up with something. All right. Well, I'd be interested to see what, what comes out of your mouth there. Yes, and, and it's not going to be a sandwich going in. <laughs> uh, Les, what about you? What do you got? Anything over there? I got nothing. Nothing? No, just glad to be... You got normal. that Tesla Tesla market's going up uh, for you, buddy? Going a little crazy. Oh, that Tesla stock's going up, up, and up. It's great. Oh, uh, it's good news for Les. Yeah, they're having a great week. Yeah. Les is going to be retired by the end of the week. And a Cybertruck. <laughs> Les, you buying a Cybertruck? He's getting one early. Uh, no, Frederick's going to buy the Cybertruck. I'm waiting for the Model Y. Oh, the Model Y. Mm. Why wouldn't you? Uh-huh. Why wouldn't you buy a Model Y? I don't think the Cybertruck would fit in my garage. But you just have to uh, get, get a, a bigger, bigger garage. garage. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's the obvious thing since we said it in unison. Yeah, 
Or just get like a canopy for like over the over the outside of your garage. A cyber canopy. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you Tesla makes one. If they don't, they will. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So why don't we go ahead and get to uh, Gordon? Yeah, absolutely. Bring him up. Let's ring, ring. call him. Trust the Gordon's fishermen. I like those fish sticks. They're delicious. Frederick and I are now joined by Gordon Smith, who is the president and CEO at Sagent. Gordon, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me. Yeah, our pleasure, Gordon. Gordon, you're uh, joining us from the Dallas, correct? Yes. Yeah, we're in right by the DFW airport in Capel, Texas. Oh, that's great. What's the weather like there today? You know, it's a little gloomy today, and I heard we have some more bad stuff coming in tomorrow, so I heard it's going to be nice by the weekend, so we're all good. Ah, uh, that's very nice. Uh, Gordon, for our listeners, can you give us a little bit of background on you and Sagent and, and sort of, uh, you know, what's the history there, and can you talk us through a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, a little background on myself first. I am Canadian, born and raised. I've been in the U.S. now for 20, going on 26 years. Seems time has flown by. Civil engineer by background, got into telecom about 25, 26 years ago. And I started out in the telecom infrastructure space. Site development as a civil engineer would make sense. Stacking steel, pouring concrete, building cellular networks. And over the course of the last uh, 18 to 20 years, I've gotten more in the infrastructure side of the business and the equipment side of the business specifically. Sagent was formed as American Communications back in 2001, so we're we're, eight, we're 19 years old now. And uh, we've always focused on infrastructure as opposed to consumer devices. We don't get involved in handsets and other uh, consumer products, uh, but we really focus on helping our uh, network operator partners and customers uh, operate their networks efficiently, cost-effectively, both from a CapEx and an OpEx perspective. Most of our major customers are in the telecom carrier space, the cable MSO space, or the data center space. We provide a number of services. I'll tell you what we do, and then I'll go into who we are. We purchase, refurbish, repair, and resell network assets, giving them extended lives. Uh, we do test and repair as a service for our customers as something breaks in the field. We'll take it in, we'll repair it in our 15,000 square foot lab here in Texas, and we'll send it back to them in a a functional, like new condition. Um, We also have a third-party maintenance business where we provide remote engineering support to our customers. And then we have a field service business where we do primarily decommissioning work, pulling assets from customer networks so that we can then refurbish them and put them to the highest and best use. I love that. You know, one of the things that I keep seeing in my research on Sagent is a... uh, a slogan of don't make technology decisions in the dark. Do you mind touching on that a little bit and what that means? Yeah, absolutely. We, as part of our rebranding, which we went through about a year ago now, we did a lot of customer survey work and uh, internal stakeholders as well. But a lot of the information that came back to us was what they appreciated about doing business with us was that we were an open book. We had integrity, we had honesty, and we we've really focused uh, our time in the last few years on the transparency of our of our operations. What uh, we try to provide our customers on a consistent basis is insights into their network. What's going on? Uh, how can they operate better? And we always tell our customers, it's your data. You should have your data. And so what we've done is create a platform whereby every time we're operating on a, a program basis with our customers, we provide them a tremendous amount of data back that they can use to make decisions about Do I need to upgrade my training program because my technicians are struggling with certain technologies? Do I have manufacturer defects? Uh, 
am I recycling when I could be reusing or um, recycling when I could be reselling to maximize our ROA? All of these, all of this information is available from us, and we enlighten our customers so that they're not making their decisions in the dark. They're getting all of the data that they deserve in our minds to make the proper operational and capital decisions. Customer comes to you today. What's their biggest challenge, and what are they trying to have Sagent help them sort of solve? You know, what what is that? What is that sweet spot that a customer um, would use you guys for? It comes in a number of different ways to us, and it depends on what their program is that we're involved in. I'll give you a couple of examples. So if they have a repair and return program where they've got regular failures in the field as any network would have, if they come to us and they want us to repair their product, and this could be a a piece of wireless gear, it could be a switch, it could be a router, it could be a number of different products, what they expect back from us typically is that we repair it for an agreed-upon fee, we ship it back to them, and it works. Well, we've collected 51 data points typically on a repair, and we know what their field tech said was wrong. We know what our technician determined was the final root cause, the, com- the components that were used in the repair, what the turn time was. We can tell them, yes, you had a failure in the field, but... It wasn't what the technician thought. It was actually corrupted software. It wasn't low RF power. It wasn't um, a no trouble found. It was something that could have been remedied in the field. So what we give them back is we've got a training issue associated with corrupted software where if he'd reflash the software with the proper load, that product never had to come down the tower, pulled out of the data center. You wouldn't have had to pay money for freight and logistics, and you wouldn't have to pay for a spare uh, piece of equipment, and you wouldn't have had to pay for the repair. So we've actually enlightened them and said, you've got a challenge in the Chicago market with this one technician who probably is doing great on nine pieces out of 10, but on this 10th piece, he's struggling. Similarly, we identify for them root causes that sometimes point back to the manufacturer, where there's a a known defect within that manufacturing process and the same component is regularly failing, which gives our carrier customers the opportunity to take action and have that conversation with their other vendors. So in a number of different ways, that's just the repair side of the business. On the asset recovery side, where we're taking product on behalf of our customers, refurbishing and reselling, we can show them data that includes all of the material that was uh, diverted from waste streams. We didn't send it to recycling. We refurbished it, tested it, remarketed it, and it went back into productive use in another network operator's space. Um, so it never has to hit forget about a landfill. It doesn't have to hit the recycling stream, which is expensive and ultimately creates more manufacturing. We can tell them exactly how to divert. And when it does go to recycling, all through responsible recycling certified partners, we can give them data on plastic, metals, glass, all components within that piece of equipment. Whether it's been diverted, we can give them that information, or whether it goes to recycling, we can give them give them that information. So it really depends on the type of program we're operating under with our with our customers. Yeah, I, I kind of remember reading one of the uh, articles that you posted in Information Week on slash data center costs by optimizing hardware investment, where you're talking about really investing in the uh, green market. Why, why do you think that a lot of the companies aren't aware of those kind of green market opportunities? Is it more just because the OEMs are invested in pushing more equipment? Yeah, there's certainly an economic interest in not providing all the data to your customer. I think uh, historically, 
the disposition of assets has been something that's just needed. You have to get rid of it. Just who'll buy it, get rid of it, and don't think too much about it. Uh, whereas if they actually spend time thinking about the environmental impact and the financial impact, uh, environmental being doing the the best thing for the environment, uh, reducing the ecological footprint, and then also maximizing the return on the asset by getting data associated with what is the true market for this asset at this point of time, all of which we make available for our customers. So they can take a spot market value of what this product is sold for as a secondary market unit and how recently it was sold, what it was sold for. It also gives them the ability in that regard to mark to market, which is a requirement for for the Sarbanes-Oxley Act that all of our public customers have to adhere to. So they're getting accurate mark to market information. Why they haven't been doing it this way historically is because it hasn't really been offered historically. If you give it back to the manufacturers, they don't have a vested interest in providing all of this data. And there's a lack of capability within other resellers. So it's the future and it's how we're going and we believe in it. So I, I can see, you know, you guys work with a ton of these OEM manufacturers. How how do you keep your, I'm, I'm like bewildered at how, how you are, have this ability to to diagnose all these different versions of hardware and to and to sort of like have the skill sets on your on your from your team to to go through all these different types of of piece uh, you know different types of machinery or, or or technology and and be able to sort of diagnose what's wrong and f- how do you fix it I mean it seems like you have to have a, a a very very sort of vast array of skill sets is that is that sort of the case or how how do you go about understanding all of these different pieces of technology. You know, you're absolutely right, and no one can test everything. Um, we'll be the first ones to tell you that. But if there's a, a market case, there's volume associated with it, we can invest in those technologies. We've got our own engineering team and a large uh, staff of technicians who've got experience across a wide range of electronics. The first thing you do is you build a test bed, and then you have to have test systems that communicate with that test bed, and they simulate the real network environment. The best way to show it is obviously through a uh, a tour of our facility, but you'll see regularly customers will come through our facility and they'll say, yep, I recognize that, I recognize that, I recognize that. And because we're operating with the same equipment that they are in their live environment, uh, and we've made those investments. Uh, so we're doing true system level testing, testing in the real network environment versus just a board level repair that you're kind of guessing how it's going to work in the live environment if you if you repair that way. But to your point, yes, there is significant investment training and yeah. uh, required talent. Absolutely. And imagine also, too, um, you must be excited. This probably goes along with it. In October, you rolled out with your uh, new business intelligence platform, Sagent Insights. Uh, from my understanding, some of the value is uh, granular targeting, uh, preventative maintenance strategies, uh, making more informed equipment purchase decisions, identifying the most financial advantageous schedules to upgrade your network assets. There's a, there's a lot of value here. Do, do you mind diving into that? Yeah, absolutely. The, um, it's, it's new to the market in terms of we've just launched it, but this is several years in development. It's actually been how we've operated for several years internally. Some of the things that we can, we, we can look at for our customers, we're focused a lot on repair, but it's worth giving you this story as well, where over and over when we look at the failures within a network, consistently we find 25 to 30% of the failures that are sent in for return 
were what we classify as avoidable, things that could have been taken care of in the field. And like we talked about earlier, it could be a misconfiguration, could be software, could be a manufacturer defect. That's not truly avoidable, but it's got another stream. It could be a no trouble found where a technician was sure that one of two parts were bad, so they sent them both in. We can give our customers very accurate information, say, okay, this is what really happened, and this is how it could have been avoided. Um, and put that in monetary terms, we can prove that we save our customers $3 for every dollar we charge. And the reason is the actual repair charge is only 10% of a failure. 30 per, or the other 90% goes into technician time, tower climbs, freight, logistics, uh, spares, those other elements. So every time we, if we can save them 30% of the repairs, that actually translates into $3 saving for every dollar we charge them. That's just one example of how powerful good data analytics can be. We've got similar stories in our asset recovery program uh, where we can show them how they've maximized their ROA while minimizing their ecological footprint. Um, just through looking at the data, analyzing the data, and provide it back to them in a very meaningful, interactive way that they can say, yes, I agree that we should be doing things differently here to, for our financial benefit and the environmental benefit. So it's been very powerful for us. Are the customers coming to you wanting to focus on the environmental side? Is that something that's a, a, um, a newer trend, I would say? Or, I mean, are, are there, you know, with, with everything that's happening with, within, the, within the environment and, and how things are rapidly changing, I mean, is that, is that a bigger focus than it was, say, two, three, four, five years ago? Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, every significant company now, certainly every public company, has their uh, environmental and social governance groups. And as part of that, sustainability is a major focus. So doing the right thing for the environment while also protecting your financial interest is become it has become a very significant part of most of our major customers. When I say most of the major customers, tier one telecom carriers, tier one cable MSOs, network operators of name, and everyone is following suit sometimes at a different pace. But it's it's not acceptable not to be tracking. I mean, within our customer base, they'll tell us it's not acceptable not to be tracking and understanding what your impact is having on the environment. And all of them publish their own sustainability reports. If we can be helpful in that regard, provide them the best data and the best practices, that's an adoption that's increasing at a faster rate than just the revenue growth potential. Yeah, I could imagine. So, I mean, you would think that, you know, if you're a public company, you're, you know, your your stockholders or whatever the case is going to want to understand how your being, you know, ethically responsible with, you know, how you dispose of, you know, sort of a internet or a, a IT trash or whatever the case is. So I think to me that seemed that seemed like a huge area of growth. Yeah, and it, it sometimes it comes down to who within the um, network operator is making the decision or how vendors are being selected and. If, the mandate for someone within a supply chain organization is you need to save 10% this year. That's not very dynamic, but if you get to a level where people are cared about other matters as well, like, okay, save 10% in the contract, but also save operating expense outside of that contract and do the right thing environmentally and, and looking at a broader picture of the impact to the organization, that's when our, our offering becomes more real to the, to the carrier. 
So one of the things that uh, we talk about a lot is uh, 5G, and I know you just wrote an article, or you wrote an article recently about 5G, about the uh, the things tech leaders must ask informed questions about 5G future. Uh, do you mind diving into that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the the news coverage in the media, the, the dominant storyline is going to be the necessity for 5G to drive the economy and be at the leading edge. There's a more state approach that has to be looked at um, if a 4G network, or you may be surprised at how many 3G and 2G networks are still operating for certain applications, Sure, uh, is perfectly sufficient for what it's doing, then the race to 5G, uh, money can be well spent where it is necessary, where data speeds are paramount. There's things like machine-to-machine traffic or IoT, if you will, that can operate perfectly fine sometimes, depending on the application and the purpose of, of the network, on a transport network that is a, is slower by comparison to 5G. It doesn't have all the capacity of 5G because there's just not that much traffic there. So it's got to be a state approach or, or a steady approach getting there. And ultimately, yes, we will all be 5G and then we'll be 6G and 7G. Um, but the race to 5G should be concentrated within those areas that actually need those speeds generally high-capacity areas, density of cities, stadiums, airports, place where coverage and capacity are equally important. If, uh, if speeds are adequate on a 4G network in a suburban or even rural network or rural area of the country, there shouldn't be a, a mandate to move to 5G immediately when the, sufficient, the network that's existing today is sufficient for the purpose. So I don't need this in rural Massachusetts? You probably are very well served with 4G as long as your carrier has coverage in that area. The speeds are going to be um, beyond what you can likely use. Hey, I would just like my Sprint phone to get 4G wherever I am in Sarasota. <laughs> <laughs> But I'll take that well, up with the, Sprint. The, the that, that's not your fault, is, Gordon. <laughs> yeah. You, you will find that, and this is no surprise, the, the marketing initiatives are going to get out in front of the network capabilities, and that's just, it's not unique to telecom, cable, no, or it anywhere isn't. else. Yeah. No, power of marketing. Yeah, that's the nature yeah. of it. There's, hey. there's several nationwide footprints there that maybe aren't, but ultimately they will be. As as I've as uh, uh, someone said to me wisely once, don't don't confuse selling with delivering, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, we've got a large sales staff as well, and we have to temper their decisions <laughs> every now and then. Well, what should uh, what should enterprise be looking at as, as far as the future of five G? What what's some of the big concerns? Uh, I don't know if there's major concerns. Um, there's a, there's a level of patience required. Um, and just because it might pop up as 5g on your phone, doesn't mean that it's actually adhering to the ITU standards and getting the speed that is promised. It means that they have a technology deployed that has capability to be 5g. I think the most important thing is just understand whether a network is performing to your needs, whether you are getting the speeds adequate that you're not seeing delays, you're not seeing um, unnecessary timeline or uh, time periods to get your data downloaded, uploaded, just as importantly. Um, the networks are getting faster and the capacity is increasing. And when we talk about speeds, maybe just a, maybe a, a, a bit of a nerdy point to it, 
It's not really speed. By that, I mean the networks aren't getting faster. They're traveling at the speed of light. The issue is now you have a transport going semi-trailer going 70 miles an hour instead of a panel van going 70 miles an hour. It's carrying more stuff at the same speed. As I said, kind of a nerdy comment, but that's the reality of it. No, we like nerdy comments. Yeah, here, but that's what they're all about here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, we embrace the nerdy. Sometimes there might not be a need for the uh, bleeding or cutting edge, but it's certainly there and we need to be cognizant of it. Uh, absolutely. And, and it, the networks, they're, they're, they're changing so significantly, too. I mean, the latency is being reduced. The capacity per time is, is being increased. Um, there will be those delays in full deployment, but that shouldn't get people um, too discouraged because it's going to be better. We're going to be carrying more data every day. And it, it's all optimistic from my perspective. The footprint's changing. We're getting smaller, high, higher capacity cell sites, and the cell sites, what we used to think of, you know, you have a 200-foot tower and uh, a 10 by 20 building at the bottom that's carrying all the electronics, and then all that same power is now harnessed within uh, a cell site no bigger than your computer screen. It's hanging on a utility pole, so the footprint is changing. There's lots more of them. They're a lot higher capacity. They're a lot closer together. Yeah. Uh, the advancements are tremendous, though. Yeah, it's amazing where it's going. Speaking of where things are going, could you tell us, like, what's the uh, projected future of Sagent? Where, where is Sagent in uh, three to five years? Is it the same kind of uh, services, our, or, or where, what does that look like with our growing market? You know, I, I was reading uh, a paper from, it was actually published by Bank of America and Merrill Lynch about 10 themes for the next 10 years, and some of them are fanciful, don't really involve us tremendously. But a couple of them caught my eye because they really are where we're focused. And one of them is robotics and automation, automation in general. These network, you know, all automation requires some level of networking. Uh, so we see tremendous growth on the networking side. And the other interesting prediction was moral capitalism. And by moral capitalism, I mean the, you know, environmental and sustainability groups are getting more say in how their companies are operating, more share of budget. And the forecast, at least from Bank of America and Merrill Lynch, was you know, U.S. $20 trillion in moral capitalism over the next 10 years, which is more than the value of the S&P today. Um, so we're definitely focused on that. We're definitely focused on the data analytics, and we're definitely focused on the network growth. And maybe most importantly, a lot of our customers ask us, okay, this is great. Why? Why are you doing this? Why are you giving us all this data? Why are you telling us how to improve our operations, even at the risk of cannibalizing your own business? Because you could be reducing your repairs. You could be reducing other elements of our programs together. It really comes down to we want to be a partner more than a vendor. We want to be more important to our customer base. And in order to do that, we have to sit on the same side of the table with them. And if we're successful, we see continued double-digit growth within the company. Yeah, that's great. You're making room for actual opportunities. Yeah, I don't know that there will be any business as usual. I think everything is changing. Uh, you know, we're, you might cynically say we're all replaceable, and maybe ultimately that's true, but if we can just help our, our customers operate better, do more with less, do more with their budgets, do more with their people, we've, we can go to bed at night feeling good about what we've, we've accomplished. Yeah, I agree. I think we all have our unique spin on things and a, a unique take on 
certain kinds of information that's extremely valuable to uh, to someone. So I don't know if we're all replaceable, but we we all definitely have a, a view on things that's that holds a certain value uh, in in whatever market that may be. Hey, Gordon, we're getting around to the end of the show, and we like to ask a fun question at the end if you uh, you don't mind entertaining us. Please. Sure. So, Gordon, if you could not be around computers professionally for the rest of your life, what would you be doing? Something I, no computers. I'm trying to think. If I, did, I didn't have the GPS in my golf cart, I'd be stuck. If I didn't have the <laughs> GPS no, on no, my, you, listen, you on can be a golfer boat, on my boat. I wouldn't know how to navigate. So that's interesting. I, I would like to spend a lot more time outdoors, whether that's with a golf club in my hand or a uh, a boat steering wheel in my hand. Uh, that would be very interesting to me. And I've got some kids. I have this fantasy about one day they're going to be independent. Uh, <laughs> next couple years, I'll have three in college. I have three in college at the same time. And one day, hopefully, bouncing grandbabies on my knee. That's wonderful. That so sounds wait, like a good future. Wait, wait a minute. What what, what uh, profession did that translate into? Sound like a golfer and a boater to me. Yeah, are you a golf boater? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two things that are equally distracting and money wasting. <laughs> I love that. So, Gordon, what's the uh, what's the best way people could find out more about Sagent and yourself? Uh, best way to find out about Sagent would actually be visiting our website, sagent.net. Um, and on there, you'll find out a lot of things about me, uh, including a lot of the publications and opinion pieces and commentary that we've been able to publish in the past year. Well, it's Gordon. It's been great talking to you today. We really appreciate the time. Uh, good luck to Sage in the future and uh, hit him straight. <laughs> Thank you, David. Thank you, Frederick. Thank All you right. so much. Talk really soon. appreciate it. Bye. Well, that was cool. That was a great episode. I really enjoyed speaking with Gordon. Very intelligent human being. I forgot to ask him about the fish sticks. The Gordon's Fisherman Fish Sticks? He even mentioned that he was a boater. Oh, that's right. He did. A golfer slash boater. He he could could be be Gordon's Fisherman. He could be the Fisherman. Trust the Gordon's Fisherman. Yeah. What? Didn't he wear like a uh, yellow and jacket? Yeah, it was all yellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the guy from uh, Curious George. That's right. Yeah, the 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 man man in the the yellow yellow jacket. Yeah. Oh, yellow hat? I don't know. But he'll be the man in the yellow jacket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Man. Mm, yeah, those are delicious fish sticks. <laughs> but that has nothing to do with sagents. <laughs> At least I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it doesn't. They don't fix fish sticks? They don't fish fish sticks. No. <laughs> fish fits. Yeah, I can't say that fix one time fast. Fix fish sticks. That's fix hard to say. Fish sticks. Yeah, that's yeah, difficult. That's a new challenge. Try that on Twitter. Hashtag us. No, so yeah, listen, it has nothing to do with sagent. But very cool company. Amazing company. Um, yeah. You could see uh, if you're. An OEM manufacturer, and yeah. you could see why having your full, your sort of pulse on the on the heartbeat of like making sure we recycle the right way and we dispose of our our, our, our hardware the right way. Because the second you don't, there's going to be a mob of people who are not who are going to be angry about hey, so and so company is is exactly. dumping toxins into this or but, whatever but, but, the case. But just as Gordon spoke about and also wrote an article about, which we'll link in the show notes. It's it is in their best interest to sell new products, um, but yes, how do you balance that with being? Um, uh, so- I don't know. My Mac breaks every like two years, so I think that's how <laughs> Mac decides that they want to sell new products. Like they they just built it to where it breaks every two years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How, how do you how do you be um, a, a good company, for lack of a better term? I guess how do you be um, you know authentic about selling a good product and also care and do the right thing. 
I think we're still trying to figure that out. Yeah, we are still trying to figure that out. And I think, um, you know, a lot of people are being forced to be more cognizant of these things lately with, um, you know, some litigation floating around here and there with A, B, and C companies. But um, I think we'll we'll all eventually get to a uh, more uh, uh, well, That's a pretty path. rosy view there. I don't know. You don't think so? I, I I, maybe I'm being rosy. Maybe I'm being optimistic. But I'm not saying within the next two to three years. I'm saying within the next 10 to I 20 years. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, wherever there's capitalism, there's going to be someone out to to take advantage. Well, I think that might be a uh, a channel for capitalism. Okay, fair enough. We won't yeah. go to that's that's a whole other conversation. It, re- it really is. Yeah, yeah. we should we should not we should probably not have it. So, uh, anyways, anything else for today? No, no, I think that's it. That was a great conversation. Really appreciate Gordon coming on and speaking with us about um, Sage. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, for heads in the cloud, I'm David Portnowitz. I'm Frederick Weiss, and we'll see you next time. Toodles. 